With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now number one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear are in Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hour number two on a Monday, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, and now 106.3 FM. Well, Ken, very interesting to learn that you don't do very well watching games. You already know the outcome, too. Classic <laughs> games don't don't get you real revved up here. But uh, we have a classic guest, somebody that's been with us for a very long time, a guy that has done yeoman's work inside the world of Iowa State athletics and the media reporting that he's done throughout the years. But calling it a career, hanging up the press pass one final time and one more column at the Eames Tribune. Definitely sad to see uh, Dylan, Dylan Montz leaving us, though. And uh, our conversations that we get to have throughout basketball, football, even during the summer months, we talk to Dylan a lot. Yeah, we do, Trent, and we're certainly very grateful for what uh, you know he was able to do for us over the years. And he's, uh, you know, sadly there's there's too many of these men and women that are forced. As I'll use your term, I like it, hang up the press pass and and not be able to uh, to continue to what they're so good at. But you know, sometimes decisions are made for you. And Dylan uh, joins the program. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, and seriously, uh, thank you. So much for what you did for us uh, at your time, both at the Cedar Rapids Gazette and then when you moved over uh, to the Ames Tribune. Had to be a difficult decision, um, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe you saw the writing on the wall and, you know, the way journalism is going. But I know one thing for certain, uh, you're going to miss uh, covering uh, the Cyclones or whoever your career would have taken you uh, in the months, years ahead. How are you, Dylan? Yeah, guys, it's good to be with you. And I, I certainly had a lot of sleepless nights as I was wrestling with with a life decision like that. Um, it's this doing this has been all I've known for for such a long time. And um, you know, I, I took so many different things into consideration. And, and certainly, I'll miss um, having these get-togethers with you guys like this. And and certainly the camaraderie that you have on the beat and uh, learning different stories and, and talking to these different athletes and coaches. But um, this is something I felt like I had to do is to shift gears a little bit and, and give something else a try. So I'm excited for it, but there's certainly a lot of things I'll, I'll miss about this gig and, and uh, being around you guys on a daily and weekly basis. Dylan, uh, this would be certainly the time that you can look back and you can talk about great moments. I think we're going to get into that. Some of the maybe more difficult times covering a team with Iowa State that you did. But in terms of destinations, the places that you went, A, in the Big 12, best and worst, and now you don't have to worry about ruffling any feathers. You can be completely <laughs> truthful on that avenue. The road trips that you know looking, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be a terrible one. And then on the national scope, when you went with teams to different parts of the country, some of your favorites or, or not so favorites as you look back at your travels with the Cyclones. Yeah, I'll start with the things I like the best. Um, Austin is the best road trip in the Big 12. Um, there's so much to do. So much to see. Uh, if you like live music, obviously that's that's the place to be. So 
um, I went there a couple different times, once with the Gazette and then um, with the Tribune, but um, always had a great time, always um, ran into Iowa State fans. That was a destination for them as well, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, the, the trip I, I liked the least, and I made this a couple times too, was Waco. Um, hmm. Not as much to do there. Um, you know, it, it just uh, the, the town layout and, and things is just a little bit more complicated than some of the other places you go. Uh, logistically, Morgantown is, is pretty tough because you have to go to Pittsburgh and, and kind of wind through the mountains a little bit to get down, but uh, a pretty drive there. Um, so the, the Big 12, those are probably the ones that stand out uh, nationally. Uh, when Iowa State went to the NCAA tournament in Denver a few years ago, uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, you know, the, the mountain range in the background and, and some of the different mm-hmm. things to do downtown there. Um, San Antonio, obviously a, a great spot. Uh, certainly a lot to do on the Riverwalk. And um, that was the first time I'd been there. So there was a lot of, you know, unique aspects to, to that whole trip. Um, you know, just trying to run down the memory lane here. But so so many different unique opportunities um, you know, too many to count, but uh, certainly those are the ones that are highlights and, and stand out and I'll remember for a really long time. What team's media cheers the loudest in the press box? <laughs> yeah, um, the, you, you certainly, uh, Kansas State, I think, uh, has a lot okay. of guys that are really uh, kind of plugged into there. I know they have a lot of different, um, you know, fan sites they run and some different, you know, um, you know the different on websites and things like that. So I, I think um, they, they get rowdy at times. Um, I, not as much when they've come to Ames, but Manhattan. I think um, some people get pretty riled up. Wow. Those, those would be the ones that I, I would think about maybe the most. Um, you know, that, that's right off the top of my head. Let's go to the other side. When you see, oh boy, I sure I drew the short straw here, and I am going to have to go to this crappy destination. What's at the top? Yeah. Um, Man, I'm trying to think. Uh, to, to kind of go back to Kansas State, uh, Manhattan <laughs> is, is kind of a tough, uh, a tough drive. Um, you know, that, that's as far as I drove in the uh, in the Big Twelve when I was on the beat. Um, you know, it's I, I, kind of going along with that. I love Lawrence. Uh, that's a great college town. The proximity to Kansas City is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it has a really nice feel to it. Manhattan is uh, it's a big place, but it's really kind of on an island. Uh, by itself there's nothing within really an hour hour and a half that's substantial so uh, if if you're not finding it in manhattan you're gonna have to, to go somewhere else and, and just uh, that drive is, is pretty uh taxing so that, that's maybe um where where my thought process goes how about some of the uh more uh not off the walls not the right term but but i think back to and i'm i'm pretty sure that you covered alan lazard's draft day for in, in some respects and you know just the uh the disappointment that and good for him for proving you know proving a lot of people wrong because he looks as though he's certainly found his his place with the packers and even though they're uh, you know trying to build on that receiving core for Aaron Rodgers it looks as though Lazard's going to have a spot going forward but as you think back was that sad's not the right term but just um you know a unique different um stories that you covered his draft time with everybody i mean no one thought he was going to be a first round or a second round pick but I didn't think, don't think you can find too many people that thought that he would go undrafted uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's a unique story to me just uh, in totality. I remember um, it was my senior year at the Iowa State Daily. I remember driving down to Urbandale like 6 or 6.30 in the morning to go cover his um, signing day. 
event that he had in the gym at Urbandale. So seeing, uh, the, the, you know, the, the very early stages of his career, what that recruitment was like, obviously a lot of um, speculation about um, decisions he would have to make and ultimately sticking with Iowa State. So seeing that kind of uh, budding collegiate career and then following him all the way through, obviously, and then um, getting to the point where he's at draft day, um, it was surprising just uh, – because of the kind of career he put together, his reliability as a receiver. I know there were some questions about his speed and ability to break away from, from defensive backs, but I think he's one of those guys that, that just needed a shot. And, and Matt Campbell has said this before, um, that as, as tough as it was maybe at the time for him to go undrafted, it could have been a blessing in disguise because it showed him there are, um, you know, as, as maybe – Easy is not the right word, but as straight as some guys pass are to the NFL and, and getting on a roster and having a role, there's so many other guys that have to take um, curvy roads to get there and, and showing him maybe the kind of, of work that it would take to ultimately not just make an NFL team but stay on one um, can benefit him in the long run. So I think you're seeing the fruits of that labor and, and maybe a change in, in process of, of um, maybe what he had done in high school and college. So. Uh, yeah, a really unique story all the way through, and it's fun to watch him and, and, and what he carved out as a role uh, in Green Bay and, and now going forward. Dylan Moss joining us from the Ames Tribune, formerly of the Ames Tribune, as he is deciding to move away from the sports writing scene and uh, moving on to a different area. Dylan, there's got to be games. There has to be moments for Iowa State that stick out to you. Is there a favorite game, one that you covered in terms of just how good the game was, or maybe the other side of it, some of the quotes you got in the locker room after a game? Yeah, man. Um, there's a, a couple different ones that uh, jump out to me at first. Um, the Oklahoma State game from 2018 where Brock Purdy came in for the first time and, mm. um, and, and you know, kind of burst onto the scene, and then he, he's been there ever since. That game was as memorable as, as one I've seen just because of not necessarily the surprise, but you've heard about this kid and it didn't know what to expect necessarily, especially with the way the game started where Zeb Nolan had come in and then you thought you'd maybe see a rotating basis of, of uh, Purdy and Nolan, but um, he just kind of um, put his put his hands on, on the arm of the team and, and drug them along there. And obviously uh, he, he's been doing that ever since. So that stands out on the flip side. Um, the UAB game for the men's basketball team is one that I'll never forget. It's kind of a surreal, um, you know, surreal day, surreal scene, surreal locker room. Um, you know, I, I obviously, like everybody else, I had planned on being in Louisville for, um, you know, a handful of days or whatever, but I think I was there um, less than 48 hours when all, all was said and done. And, um, you know, that's kind of the chaotic nature of that. And then being the first game of the tournament is one I'll always remember and um the liberty bowl a couple years ago the alamo bowl a couple years ago um you know those kinds of games always stick out um west virginia a couple years ago too and then um you know basketball games kind of um you know maybe five years ago or so the the oklahoma uh game where iowa state had to come back from 17 down and ended up winning by seven or 20 down or whatever it was the big 12 tournament runs um you know so many memories kind of just cycling through my mind right now but um, the, those ones I mentioned at the top maybe are, are a little bit of recency bias, but certainly ones that um, you know I, I've thought about as, as time has gone on as um, pretty signature moments. 
Uh, Dylan Mons, formerly of the Ames Tribune. Dylan, you mentioned Brock Purdy and, and coming in and doing so and doing what he did as a freshman. Wouldn't it have been nice to talk to him after some games and get his take as to what he saw out there and just to be able to get a quote? And I know that Matt Campbell's not the only coach that makes freshmen unavailable to the media, but I mean, you guys feed the beast, right? Uh, you guys are the ones that provide the the quotes and the uh, the locker room experience in a lot of ways to the to the readers out there, to the fans out there. Do you think that they do that they're doing the right thing by keeping freshmen away from the media uh, as Matt Campbell does? I, I know why they do it, and selfishly, I wish that freshmen would be available just because you could get a full scope of a story. But I thought it, you know, I thought of it as an interesting challenge as a reporter because it it made you have to find different avenues and angles to those stories. I remember um, it was the week after that Oklahoma State game. I um, talked to Brock Purdy's high school coach in Arizona and got some stories that maybe I wouldn't have because I didn't know Purdy firsthand necessarily and hadn't picked his brain fully so I could get a really solid base from his coach. And, you know, certainly his parents have, have been great over the years and, um, you know, you talk to teammates and assistant coaches and, and whatever else, and you get kind of a, an interesting picture of, of how people view Brock Purdy, and certainly his voice would add something to that. But, um, you know, it, I think it challenged not only me, but the other reporters on the beat in, in good ways. And, and certainly when he became available after his freshman year, um, he's been awesome to deal with. And one quick little story, it was right after the Camping World Bowl, um, we went into the press conference with Matt Campbell and Deshante Jones and Mike Green from Iowa State made uh, a few different players available um, outside the locker room afterward. And certainly that game um, was dejecting for them. It, it hard to talk about, I'm sure, just because of, of the lopsided nature. But, um, you know, Purdy stood there injured. You know, his ankle had been bothering him pretty much all year. And uh, he answered every single question. And then he turned to uh, a few of us as, as we said goodbye and, and said thanks for all you guys have done this year, and mm. um, you know it's been great to to be around you. So um, you don't realize that, and and that that has always kind of stuck with me in, in the months that followed. And um, you know he certainly is unique, and and, um, and and as good a kid as people say he is, uh, just to have that kind of thought to um, turn to reporters and, and say something like that. What are you going to miss the most about the job, the day-to-day? There, there's negatives of any job that you're talking about, but what are you going to miss the most as you move away from the world of sports? Yeah, just connecting with the people. It's like I mentioned to you guys up top. I'm going to miss the conversations that we've had. I'm going to miss the guys that I covered the team alongside. Um, certainly miss the interactions with players and coaches to, to get some perspective because, um, you know, the stories that you write, you, you you, you're turned around from what you've talked to those people about, but uh, it's the side conversations. It's the, the getting to know you type of stuff that uh, I'm going to miss as well, because that's, um, you know, it's an integral part of the beat. And when you're, you're covering a team, um, you know, and, and you turn around as much as you can, you want to put out as much information as you can, but having those little side relationships with people and, and building trust and things like that, that's, that's all stuff I'm going to miss because that's, that's what makes the job fun is, is to get to know people. So, that's that's what I'll remember most when I think about um, you know the the last decade or so of, of doing sports writing. Tell hmm. my last thing for you um, was there is there a coach that was 
Um, more difficult to pry a quote from uh, was was there not that they were I mean that's just the you know that's just the way they're made up but was is there one because when I look at this from afar and you know seeing what you guys do and watching your videos that you put out there it seems like you know the the coordinators that you've worked with along the way very well spoken and very upfront with you and you know who I I could listen to Haycock talk defense all day long he's he's just one of those guys right I remember that was the way that uh, uh, that Norm Parker was. When uh, you know when he had that role over to Iowa, but listening to the Iowa State coordinator, I have a feeling maybe that there isn't one that was more difficult to get a quote from. Yeah, not any uh, in particular that I can think of. It's maybe sometimes um, younger assistants that are trying to cut their teeth, um, depending on their personalities. Maybe sometimes they won't be as open just because they don't want to say the wrong thing or, or divulge something that the head coach wouldn't want. But you know that's. Those were kind of few and far between um, from what I was uh, trying to remember. But everybody has been really good to deal with. And, again, the longer you're around these guys, the more you're around these guys, going on the road uh, certainly helps. Um, it, it built that trust, built that relationship. And then you can um, have have a more in-depth rapport with them. So, um, yeah, not anybody in particular, particular that I can think of. But, um, you know, the different personalities produce different uh, styles mm-hmm. of, of communicating. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but everybody that I've, I've dealt with has, has been great, and, and again, that's that's one thing I'll miss. So now it's back to being a fan, right? Are we going to see you with your chest painted sitting in the in the section now? <laughs> what, what, what's what's the future of you? Is you're going to be watching sports certainly from a different angle? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it'll it'll be. It sounds probably bad to say, but it'll be kind of nice to just sit back and and not have to go to a stadium. I can chill on my couch. Certainly, I'll, I'll be watching the Bears, Trent. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully um, Nick Foles can lead them to new heights now uh, with the defense they got with them. And, um, yeah, it, it's going to be really different to not have to go, if I do go to a, some sort of game, not have to sit there for a couple hours and then um, sit there for four more hours after I'm crafting my stories. It'll be nice to get in and get out and, and, and just kind of be an observer um, for the first time in a long time. So. Uh, those kinds of things will, will be fun, but I will miss um, the challenges of the job, um, certainly at times. Yeah, have a couple of beers before the game and experience it all If uh, when you do get out. Well, Dylan, listen, uh, Trent and I are going to miss you again. Uh, thank you so much for what you uh, did for our radio programs uh, over the years. You've been a great asset to us. And onward and upward, Dylan Montz, you made the right decision. Sad to say, selfishly, we're going to miss you. But we wish you the best. Uh, we have a pretty good idea you're going to be successful at, uh, at wherever uh, this path leads you. Thank you for what you've done, Dylan. Don't be a stranger. Take care of yourself, all right? Yeah, you guys too. I, I'll miss you guys, and uh, I'll keep listening and, and stay in touch. So all, all the best to you guys, and, and keep doing a great show. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Thanks, Dylan. Ames Tribune, formerly of the Ames Tribune, and now moving back to his stomping grounds back over in eastern Iowa, and he gets to become a fan. And I'm going to wonder, those tweets that he sends out, maybe not uh, quite as informative and a little more passionate now going forward, right? Yeah, I think right. It's uh, it's going to be interesting if uh, if he can go back to to being a fan because right. you get that you know that journalist that media kind of ingrained into you and maybe a, a little different type of view of things. But um, you know, good for him for for seeing the writing that was on the wall and uh, and proacting instead of reacting. He's probably better off for it. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a scary time for people inside the industry even before you know what we've been going through the last couple of weeks and and for young people in the industry trying. 
trying to figure out how you make a go of it and if it makes sense long term and the money that's involved in starting families and those types of things. Just all everything that you have to weigh together trying to figure it out. And uh, Dylan, one of the good people, certainly yep. on the beat. KXNO and iHeartMedia wants to help with your bills. Text the keyword CARE to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. That's CARE, C-A-R-E, to 200-200 right now. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Coming back on the other side, we're going to be talking a look back in the world of sports history. Some good ones. And Ken, I have one for you. I got Uh a little hockey. Yeah, I got some hockey for you this day in history. March 23rd, 1994. I'll let you jog your memory here. See if you can come up with it as we come back. It's Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO. And now... 106.3 FM. We're back with more in a moment. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. And now, now, on 106.3 FM. Kata continues, 1460 KXNO, and now 106.3 FM. Well, Ken, uh, time to take a look back in the world of sports. We're, of course, going to continue our series tomorrow on the great teams from our state's history. It was awesome. Uh, we had Alif Rokmanesh set up a little bit earlier on Friday. He was finally able to join us a little bit later, but good to catch up with him, talk a little bit, of course, uh, about that program. And then I'm sure you saw him with his family recreating the shot against Kansas 10 years previous. It was all over Twitter over the weekend. I'm sure you saw that clip. No, it was terrific, Trent, and I'm assuming that that was one of the reasons why he was a little late getting to us <laughs> on Friday. But, no, it was phenomenal. And what I really want, paid attention to, it, and I'm doing this a lot now because it just blows me away, uh, the, the number of people that these things reach, right? And you, you get in kind of on the ground floor when there's been – 2,000 views or whatever, and you watch these things build and how quickly they build. And then somebody uh, like like a Jeff Goodman or uh, Matt Norlander, for instance, somebody's got a lot of basketball Twitter followers, decides to tweet that out from their account or retweet it from their account, and it just explodes. So that was really good. And, I mean, his um, his I believe it's his daughter at the end, uh, wearing the Kansas jersey yes. in tears. <laughs> That uh, that put it over the top for me. That was really well done. Good for Colorado State. Good for Ali Farouk Manesh and his wife and um, everything that went behind that. We need more of those. So this week, uh, tomorrow's program, we're going to bring you as our look back at our great teams in state history. It'll be the 1986-87 Iowa basketball team. Dr. Tom Davis's squad, his first season at the helm. You got Roy and BJ and Ed as sophomores. Great team. Ranked number one for a large portion of that season. They get off to 18, 19 straight wins to begin the season. Of course, it comes crashing to a halt with an 18-point halftime lead against UNLV in the Elite Eight. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about the game previous. I've got a lot of clips I'm already working on. The Oklahoma game in the Sweet 16, the game winner from Kevin Gamble at the top with a couple seconds to go. Unbelievable team. And for a long time, Ken, that team had the most players on their roster that played in the NBA in college basketball history, that was something, God, I want to say maybe it was 15 years, something like that. They mm. held that record. 
that squad had nine different guys on the roster that played in the NBA. You know, it's remarkable, Trent. And you know what? To be honest, that's the first time I'd heard that stat. I was not aware that they held that distinction and, and held it as long as they did. Of course, that was before I'd, um, you know, moved to the mm-hmm. States. That was, and I you know very little about that team other than the names uh, that are on it. Marble and Armstrong and Gamble and uh, Al Lorenzen was part of that team. Of course, uh, as you mentioned, Tom Davis early in his tenure. But um, So you're going to have to carry me through that one as far as the memories go because I don't have a lot of them. Just you know, looking at the roster and some of the box scores uh, that we will in advance of tomorrow, um, it's just it's remarkable, some of the names on it and some of the, uh, some of the greats in, in Iowa basketball history. It's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that. Then on Wednesday, it'll be the 2007-2008 Drake squad. That is the year that I moved here to Des Moines. So that one, uh, I had a different feeling, I know, than you did, and I was listening to you a lot on the radio during that run. The Drake love, I just, as as an Eastern <laughs> Iowa guy, I just I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I'm like, who cares? It's Drake basketball. Why are these guys getting all fired up about it? Looking back now, I think I understand it a little bit better. Well, I'll help you out. I mean, it's real easy. Iowa and Iowa State stunk that <laughs> right, year. Right. And it was, um, it, it fell into our laps. And, and Mike Mahon, who was the SID at Drake at the time, was so good to us, right? We were doing Saturday mornings in, in addition to our, uh, afternoon drive slot. And, you know, we would get Keno Davis every Saturday morning before a game and, of course, followed the team down to St. Louis. Followed the team to Tampa Bay where Ty Rogers hit that remarkable shot, uh, at the end of that one. Of course, Emmenecker struggled, I believe, as he was one for ten in that game after, you know, uh, just crushing during the regular season. He's the Larry Bird trophy winner. But that team, Trent, there was, it was, it was perfect timing, right? Timing is everything. And with Iowa and Iowa State having their struggles and it's the winter months and, you know, you're, you're looking for anything to gravitate to. And here's a team literally in our own backyard and they, they still are. I get that. They haven't moved. Uh, but they just captured, uh, they captured the city. And, uh, I mean, we're doing remotes from all over central Iowa, just talking about Drake basketball. And it was, it was a fun winter, Trent. And until the Hawks had gone to the Rose Bowl, uh, a couple, what's 2015, 2000, January 1st, 16, uh, that the Drake story was my favorite story in my career, and it's still clearly, you know, right up there. But as I've said many times, covering a Rose Bowl was the top thing on my bucket list to accomplish in this profession. So uh, that t- that takes the one spot. But boy, Drake's not far behind. It was a magical, magical uh, few winter months, and I look forward to uh, reminiscing about it tomorrow. We're going to also talk on Thursday. Then we'll go to Iowa State basketball. Basketball heavy this week. We'll take a look back. At Tim Floyd's final squad, the team that I think surprised a lot of people coming into the year and, and one that uh, I think we're going to be able to track down Paul Shirley. He was a freshman on the team, didn't play a ton. Tried to get him last week as we talked about the 99-2000 squad, but looks like the schedule is going to work out this week. But a look back at that team, 96-97, Tim Floyd, as he had things running along with the, boy, a roster. Looking back as I was kind of piecing this together, some names that I completely forgotten in that 96-97 team, but what a team they were. No, you're, you're 100% right. Of course, Shirley's part of it, and uh, Dedrick Willoughby was one of the big names on that team, and uh, J.C. Holloway played a big role in that spot. Who am I missing? Pratt, Shirley. Calvin Cato. 
Calvin Cato. Thank you, Trent. Absolutely. Big fella in the middle. Uh, he had a huge, huge season. Boy, how did I miss him for crying out loud? That's not, that's not good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that'll be a good one to look back on. And that was a memorable era for a number of reasons with Tim Floyd at the helm. Uh, of that team. And you're right. I don't think many people saw it, Trent, uh, that this thing that they were going to get on this roll. But boy, did they ever. And uh, going to do something that's been done a ton, but we'll go to football on Friday. The 1985 Iowa football team. And uh, got an email out to Chuck Long. Hopefully he's going to be able to join on Friday. And we'll talk about the 85 squad. One of certainly the uh, most talked about teams in our state history, 85 Iowa football. No, no doubt about it. That's one of the first things. Uh, you know, you you learn when you, when you move to this state is, uh, is is just the the importance that that team had with a number not the entire state right. but certainly a big portion of the state and that spot and uh, the Michigan game everybody remembers that one and I actually believe it or not and I told you this before I remember watching that one I didn't get a lot of college football in the eighties up in Winnipeg but that was for whatever reason and I'm guessing it uh, had a lot to do with. The school's place in the rankings at the time that it got national coverage the way that it did. Well, uh, before we get to that, though, we're going to take a look back at today's sports history across the globe. First, I'm going to take you back, Ken, to 2006. This is one I remember incredibly vividly as we go back. Gus Johnson on the call, CBS, 2006, March 23rd. It is UCLA coming back down nine points in the final moments against Adam Morrison and company as UCLA gets it done. Let's take a listen. Collins, a 60% free throw shooting opportunity to shoot the three for the tie. Second free throw good. Cargo at 69%. They throw it to Morrison. He holds on. Well, you don't want to foul Morrison. You make him get it over half court. You know you got to foul. And a steal! Inside the freshman up oh, and they go in front. Rivio, last chance to dance over Unbelievable. Oh, what a game! Unbelievable. What a game! On UCLA. <laughs> we'll talk it over each other there, Ken, there at the end, but UCLA gets it done and it moves on to the Elite Eight coming back against Morrison. Of course, the a most memorable part about that is Morrison on the floor at midcourt afterwards yeah. as he's crying. Yeah, that that's for sure, Trent, and that that picture will stay with a lot of uh, a lot of sports fans that watch that game. The other thing that stays with me is Gus Johnson sounds exactly the same whether he's doing a Tuesday night game in November or a game of that magnitude. That's why I just uh, the, the guy's he's not he's not a favorite of mine. I know I'm in the minority in this, but um, every single game. Like that's one where you really sell it, right? Mm-hmm. That one, that one, you go full Gus Johnson. It's those, you know, eight minutes left in the first half on November the ninth <laughs> type of things that might be a little bit over the top, but yeah, that's his style, and he's uh, he's certainly very popular. But no, the game itself, Trent, was unbelievable. And you're right, Adam Morrison sitting on the court in tears, dejected as he realized uh, that his uh, dream has about to been shattered. That 2006 NCAA tournament was absolutely incredible. Of course, that's when Iowa got knocked off by Northwestern State. You go through, though, and look at this, and this was the first real breakthrough moment. Speaking of Gonzaga, they'd been there. They'd been on the precipice, the great run in 1999 when they get to the lead eight. But we'd seen teams like this make runs, mid-majors or low-majors make runs. But before they get to the ultimate destination, the Final Four, they get knocked off. George Mason that year, though, broke through the door. And this is one 
this might have been one of my worst gambling losses of my life, Ken, <laughs> because going yeah. into that one, I remember I had, I don't know, maybe 200 bucks or something in, in my in my account. And uh, so I said, all right, I'm just going to go money line in UConn. UConn, maybe George Mason's going to cover, but there's no way this UConn squad is going to lose to George Mason in the Elite Eight. So I threw all of it on there. I was probably laying, I don't remember, minus 350, minus 400, a huge number. Betting a lot to make a little, Ken. I didn't know you at the time. I wish you would have been able to help me out on that one. Ultimately, George Mason, of course, wins that game 86-84, goes on to the Final Four. But that one, that was a learning moment for me in the world of gambling. Yeah, but you you learned that lesson, and you've, you've held to that for the most part since. I mean, yeah. every now and then you just got to open wide and take your medicine, and if you think that there's no way, well, of course, they can uh, get beat. But you're right, never bet a lot to make a little, and you learned the hard way that day, and uh, Florida, right? Was the 2006 Florida? That was the, their national championship or one of their national championship years. And yep. UCLA, as we just heard earlier, uh, they would uh, go on and, and represent uh, their half of the bracket against the uh, Gators, but would come up short. Yeah, LSU also the other team in the Final Four where you're right. The title game, Florida-UCLA. Not a great title game. Florida pretty much walked through that one into their uh, their championship in the victory there. I got one more highlight for you, though, Ken. Okay. I got to get your perspective on this one. I'm taking you back to 1994, March 23rd, and the great one. Gretzky trailing. Gretzky looking. Gary Curry. McSorley to Gretzky. There you go, Ken. There it was. Number 802. I'm sure you got memories of this one. Well, I got memories of a lot of his goals, but yes, I remember that one. And, you know, just after hearing, uh, you know, criticizing Gus Johnson for his over-the-top call, uh-huh. I thought Gary Thorne, oh, who was awesome. working with ESPN at the time, uh, him and Bill Clement were when ESPN used to have the NHL. I thought that was a great call. Gary Thorne, for my money, is an incredibly underrated announcer. But, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky, as good as he is, he's uh, clearly has to give thanks when he looks at that record uh, to the fact that the Winnipeg Jets were in his division because Trent... There was hardly a game where the Jets and the Oilers played that Gretzky didn't have, you know, a couple, three goals, three goals, two assists. Those were, they were always high scoring shootout games. You take a look at the equipment that the goalies wore at the time and, you know, they just had no chance against these guys. Now I get it that the, uh, that the, the skaters, uh, have kind of, uh, leveled the playing field a little bit because the equipment, the sticks that they use nowadays, um, you know, they're so far superior than they were. But Gretzky is, you know, there, there's a reason he's called the great one, and he was surrounded by great players, but um, just a remarkable 802, and he knew it was coming. And um, and there we just heard it, Gary Thorne on the call for that one. But, yeah, just uh, just tremendous. Uh, Gretzky uh, with the Kings and, um, you know, one of the greatest of all times. They finished with the Kings? No, the Rangers is where he finished. So Oilers, Oilers, Kings, Blues, Yeah, the Blues Rangers? were in there somewhere. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Let me uh, pull up the the all-time list here, his HockeyReference.com stat page. Of course, yeah, you're right. Edmonton, uh, to begin things, Kings through 95, 96, and then it was St. Louis for one year. Only yeah. played 18 games with the Blues. I completely, I guess I forgot about that. Finish up with the Rangers, ending in 98, 99. 
And then they retired his number, then no one can wear it in, uh, in, uh, in the NHL ever again. 99 will never be worn, and it was the right move. No doubt. So that's a look back at this day in sports history. A little fun to do, and we'll be doing it on the local level here in the coming days with some basketball and a little football on Friday to get you home. We're going to take our final break when we come back on the other side. Going to talk about what we're starting up here on Miller & Condon tomorrow. Restaurant radio. We're going to give restaurants from across central Iowa opportunity to come on the air, let people know what they're doing, carry out delivery options, those types of things, their restaurant, how they're staying on, and, and also give them a chance. And people, hey, I never heard of that restaurant. Or I've always wanted to be at that restaurant and jog a little memories. This is a really good idea you came up with, Ken. No, I'm excited about this, Trent, and I think that uh, you just hit on a salient point. I mean, people, in all likelihood, there's folks that drive by that place all the time, and for whatever reason, they've never, they don't know it's there, or it's never, you know, it's never been something that they, uh, has moved them to pull over or to, to experience it a little bit, but so many are struggling, and, and Trent, as, uh, as we talked off air, there's, um, you know, I'm getting a lot, of, we're getting a lot of requests to, is this just for restaurants? Can you help my small business out? Uh, we're having trouble too so we may end up expanding that mm-hmm. uh starting next week but yeah we're going to do this on tuesdays and thursdays to start and if the demand is there uh we be we're going to be happy to do that so yeah we'll take a break we'll come back and you know finish up and talk a little bit more about it coming back on the other side it's miller and condon 1460 kxno and now 106.3 fm chris williams and ross peterson they are the sports fanatics on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 in building. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ken, we just uh, finished up our last segment, talk a little bit about what we're doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1030 Restaurant Radio. We're going to be talking to local owners, operators, people inside the industry as we're uh, trying to spread the word. Restaurants that are still open, still offering delivery options, takeout options, curbside, whatever it may be. And I uh, know you got a slew of people already lining up for a slot tomorrow and Thursday this week. Yeah, absolutely, Trent. And uh, as we talked about going to break, we we plan on doing this twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we certainly have room to expand. This is, uh, as, as everyone knows, there's there's no sports that's going to uh, get bumped if we do this. And what a way to reach out to the community. And we thought that you know Central Iowa has been so good to us. And there's so many people struggling right now. That and this is free. I mean, there's, I've had that question in my email inbox. Is there a charge to do this? No. There's there's no catch, none whatsoever. It's not like we're going to you know we're going to get through this and once the country gets through it and we get back on our feet we're not going to be bothering you for paid advertising uh when, when we get to that point where this this is this is here and now folks and if you have a restaurant uh that uh is um you know, you've had to close your doors, obviously, due to the uh, mandated uh, rules by the state. And if you're if you're still doing carry out, curbside, or delivery, and you would like some help spreading the message, uh, you can email me at kenmillershow.com. Ken Miller, I beg, beg, beg your pardon, kenmillershow at gmail. Kenmillershow at gmail, and we'll uh, save you a time slot. 
probably give you two or three minutes. I'm going to come in studio on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Trent, because it would be logistically so difficult to do this from, you know, me down in my basement in Ankeny and you uh, running things out of 2141 Grand. But we'll give you a couple of minutes, ask you a couple of questions, make sure that you get out there what you want to get out to, the hours of operation, if you have a website, what kind of food you have, where you're located, those type of things. And we'll do our best to try and, um, you know, make people aware that you're out there, your doors may be closed on the outside, but where you're still doing business. And um, if you can, folks, and as I know many of you have, it's been remarkable to watch Twitter and watch the response on the Twitter feed to central Iowans who are, you know, doing their part to help some of these struggling businesses out. But as we said earlier, Trent, this is uh, going to be restaurants at least for Tuesday and Thursday. But if you're a force to be closed as we get through, all get through this, uh, we'll help you as well. Don't know what we can do for you, but we'd love to uh, give you an opportunity to come on and spread the word about what you do what your business is, and how Central Iowans can help without actually having to come through the front door. So, yep, Restaurant Radio starts tomorrow. We'll do so from 10.30 until about 11.20 or thereabouts. And if there's a need, and if this grows, we have the option, clearly, of adding uh, more time to it. So load us up, folks. This doesn't cost a thing. Ken Miller Show at gmail.com. Let Trent and I talk about your restaurant and spread the word that you guys are still open. Well, it is uh, Monday. We normally get ready for the Sweet 16 this week. There'll be some NIT games. Of course, none of that. So we talked about this early in the show. It's You said it's hard for you to go back and watch old games, uh, the NCAA tournament games that we're playing. CBS Sports Network has a bunch of them playing here throughout the day. None of that for you, so what catches your attention outside of you know the standard watching the, the news shows and what's happening in, <laughs> outside of the real world? It's really strange, Trent. I mean, I've, I've taped Swamp People. I've got a bunch okay, of Okay, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. The first 48, I'm into that. Sadly, Live PD's gone on reruns, which is my Friday and Saturday night staple when there's no sports, and I was looking forward to watching that. But I like to watch the man versus food or the... Uh, brew and barbecue or the pit masters, those type of things, just kind of mindless, just to, mm-hmm. you know, just sit back and forget about the, all the troubles uh, in the world and, you know, get through this like everybody else. But yeah, I just can't watch a game, Trent, where I know the outcome. I can't, in all likelihood, I've watched that game at some point, um, and I just can't do it. I've just, I, I tried uh, on Saturday to get into these things. I guess we're just uh, built a little bit different, but hey, that is okay. I love watching these old games and um, going back. And even if I know what the outcome is, eh, not a big deal for me. Something to keep us entertained. Well, that'll do it for the show today. Ken Miller, Trent Condon with you each and every weekday from 10 until noon here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Restaurant Radio tomorrow. We will also take a look forward as we will uh, look back, excuse me, as we will look back at the 1986-87 Iowa basketball team. Certainly a heartbreaker in the end. We'll do that Come your way on tomorrow's program. We got Murph and Andy coming your way today at 2. The Sports Fanatics at 4 and each and every morning. It'll start tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. with the morning rush here on KXNO. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Take care.